your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 9 through 13, considering the true light. True light being Jesus Christ. Uh, it's important for us to notice what is being said there. First of all, John is communicating that John the Baptist came as a witness to the light. And then in verse 9, he says, the true light came into the world. The true light. Isn't light light? Why the designation of true light? John wrote in his first letter that many antichrists have gone out. Many have gone out to deceive. Uh, we certainly understand that uh, Satan comes as an angel of light. I'll point to that in a moment. But uh, I want us to see that it's important for us to see that Jesus Christ is the true light and to understand what that means. Uh, many have come and claimed the name Messiah, name of Christ for themselves. I looked up a few, wanted to point out some that throughout the ages have decided that they would be uh, declare themselves the Christ or Jesus First one comes out of the 18th century. Her name was Anne Lee. Uh, she was the founder and leader of the Shakers. I'm not sure if that's a description of their worship style or what, but that's what they were, the Shakers. Lee's followers referred to her as mother, believing that she was the female incarnation of Christ on earth. Many come in Christ's name. Or perhaps in the 19th century, Arnold Potter. Uh, he was a schismatic Latter-day Saint leader. And he claimed the spirit of Jesus Christ entered into his body. And he became Potter Christ, son of the living God. He died in an attempt to ascend into heaven by jumping off a cliff. His body was later retrieved and buried by his followers. Or in the 20th century, Krishna Venta, born Francis Herman Pinkovic in San Francisco, California. He founded the WKFL Foundation of the World Cult in Simi Valley, California. Uh, WKFL stands for Wisdom, Knowledge, Faith, and Love. Founded this in the late 40s. 1948, he stated that he was Christ, the new Messiah, and claimed to have led a convoy of rocket ships to Earth from the extinct planet Neophrates. Sung Yon Moon probably more familiar than some of these, believed by members of the Unification Church to be the Messiah and the second coming of Christ, fulfilling Jesus' unfinished mission. Church members consider Sun Young Moon and his wife, Hak Jan Han, I don't know, maybe I'm pronouncing those right, to be the true parents of humankind as the restored Adam and Eve. Jim Jones, I don't really have to say a whole lot about him, do I? But he, uh, Jim Jones is the founder of People's Temple. Started off as an offshoot of a mainstream Protestant uh, sect before becoming a personality cult. He 
claim to be the reincarnation of Jesus, Akhenaten, the Buddha, Vladimir Lenin, and Father Divine. He organized the mass murder suicide at Jonestown, Guyana. Another who claimed to be Christ, Sergei Torop, a Russian former traffic cop who claims to be reborn as Visarion, Jesus Christ returned, which makes him not God, but the Word of God, also known as Jesus of Siberia. Torop has an appearance, by the way, this is present day, similar to depictions of Jesus. He dresses in all white flowing robes and has long brown hair and a beard. What's interesting is that he worked as a traffic cop until he was fired in 1990. Such credibility in all these guys, wouldn't you say? Such claims with no witness, with no credibility. It's so important for us to understand why John is able to say and why it's important for him to say that Jesus is the true light. One reason that's so important is because if we don't understand what the true light is, we will respond to whatever we see that might fulfill something that might help us to find joy in our days. But we'll look for light anywhere and we'll believe anyone. The true light came into the world and what did people do? They rejected it. We're going to find that in the text today. And we will take anything that will fulfill, that will encourage even if only for a short time. I get a kick out of old advertisements. You don't know what advertisements are for. They're to entice you to take on and receive something that you can't live without. And their job is to tell you why you can't live without it and to do all that they can to help you to take hold of what light they are offering. The world has plenty to offer, and I assure you, if you do not train your children up to love Jesus Christ, I assure you that if you uh, allow your children to go and find their own way, they will, not, they will find their own way, but they will not find the way of Christ apart from the Word of God. Uh, I, so the world will tell you this is what you need, and they'll do it without any credibility whatsoever. Many of you, I'm looking out there, and some of you remember the old Atari video game systems. If you don't, I had one. I had an Atari console. It consisted of the game Pong. And you could play tennis a little bit. And it just kind of went back and forth like this, and you hit the ball and it made a... But then they came out, Atari did with the Atari 2600. Man, it had some graphics to it, okay? Pac-Man. You know, you, you, it, there were all kinds of video games you could enjoy. 
And they wanted you to know, man, you want some fun? You want some realistic video games? You need to get an Atari 2600. So they hired a spokesperson. And I'm sure they sold a lot of Atari 2600s. And let me give you the first line from the spokesperson. If I could play video games, you bet it would be Atari. Stevie Wonder. It's starting to sink in. He says, my friends tell me the graphics are the best. I don't know what that means. But I know with the Atari 2600, they must be uptight and out of sight. I'm sure that's lines from a song. I have no credibility to tell you that this video console is the best. But let me tell you, it's the best. And folks, let me tell you something. The world is like that. No credibility. No credibility concerning God or Christ. The only credibility we have is the Word of God. The world will constantly try to tell you what is light and what is not light. But we only know the light because of God Himself. I want us to look at the text today and I want us to understand why these things are so important. Because if you do not believe that Jesus is the true light, and you trust in some light that is not the true light, uh, you cannot be called child of God. So let me read the text. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus is the true light. And we find that the reason this is so important is because in believing and receiving the true light, we have the right to become children of God. I want us to see today that Jesus is the true light and see some characteristics of that. I want us to notice that the world is not blind, but ignorant and unbelieving, at least in this context. And then lastly, I want you to see that through Jesus, we have the right of adoption into the family of God. So first of all, Jesus is the true light. Uh, what does this mean, true? Let me give you three distinctions that flow out of this thought of Jesus being the true light. First of all, he is the undeceiving light. The undeceiving light. Satan appears as an angel of light, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But he appears as an angel of light for the purpose 
of deceiving. Jesus, however, is the undeceiving light, and He has come as the light who redeems. The light who gives life to all who believe Him, who all trust in Him. Um, Jesus, we know, or Satan we know, has uh, contrived many false lights in the world. And there are. There are many things to grasp our attention and take our thinking away from Christ and to remove our hope in Him. But all the false lights that Satan has set up, Jesus shines and is the contrast of them all. He did not come to deceive. He came to illuminate the living God. John spoke of him and said that uh, he has made him known. He's not, he's the undeceiving light. He makes the truth known. He is the truth. Secondly, I want us to see that he is the genuine light. He's not merely the undeceiving light. He is the genuine light. Light. There are some things that are genuine and some things that are not. In the Old Testament, there were types and shadows of Jesus. Uh, the tabernacle, every piece of it, you can go through the tabernacle and all of those pieces and parts, all those sacrifices and feasts and festivals, they all point to the Messiah. They all point to Jesus Christ the Old Testament, God established a covenant with Moses by which, people, by which sins of the people could be forgiven through the sacrifice of bulls and goats. But the thing about that is they had to be offered continuously over and over and over again. The writer of Hebrews uh, tells us that uh, with Christ, that's no longer necessary. In Hebrews chapter 9 in verse 11, we see the writer of Hebrews say this, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places. By the way, once and for all, he entered once. He didn't have to do it again. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. And on down in verse 23, it says, Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered into, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. What we see here is that Jesus is the genuine. He is the genuine light. The things of the Old Testament, they had to be done over and over and over again for the sake of forgiveness. The bulls and the goats and all the things that had to be sacrificed for the remission of sins. But then Christ came and He died on the cross. And folks, all that God had begun in the Old Testament was established permanently in the new, in Jesus Christ. In Him, 
the forgiveness of sin would come. He is the genuine light who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Lamb of God. We also need to understand something about this light. This light, He is the true light. In other words, He is the underived light. Uh, there are lesser lights, the moon, the stars, and they borrow and reflect the light of the sun. But Christ's light is his own essential and underived glory. He's not borrowing light from anywhere. It says that he is the light. He is the true light. Christ has his own essential and underived glory. Look what it says in verse 9. The true light, this undeceiving light, this genuine light, this underived light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Verse 10 says, He was in the world. As we look at that, we see that uh, He was in the world. He was the God-man. Here He was in the flesh. He was within reach of physically Touching him. You would imagine with the announcement of Jesus coming into the world, with the angels singing, the shepherds going, man, let's go see this king. With all the things that transpired there in Bethlehem, and even before that, with the... uh, conception of Christ and all the things that took place with uh, Zechariah and John the Baptist and all these things. And then Jesus was born. You would think that they'd start recording this stuff and they'd track this kid all the way through his life. That's not what happened. You would think... That with the announcement of the Savior coming in, the red carpet would be rolled out. Here he comes. I mean, think about it. When a prince or princess is born in England, we go nuts. Man, we're looking and we're, everybody's looking for the first picture and all this stuff, you know. And what do we do? We track them all the way through their life. Man, I have read articles and uh, seen pictures of uh, Prince William his whole life. I know more just from the paparazzi than anything else. Here's William when he was five. Here's William when he was ten. Here's William, you know, growing up. Not for Jesus. You would think that there would be all this hubbub. Or you would imagine with all the hope of the prophets that were looking forward to the Messiah 
and all the things that lined up with Jesus Christ. And with all this hope that was imminent in His coming, that the hearts and minds of people would be in a state of repentance and anticipation of His coming. But this was not the case. Look what it says right after that. Verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. The world wasn't blind in this case. They were ignorant and unbelieving. Jesus gives light to everyone, it says. The true light, which gives light to everyone. Now, who is that? Well, there's a sense in which, one, it is everyone or his own. What would be his own? Well, it says right here, he was in the world and the world was made through him. Based on the world was made through him, what is his own? Well, everything's his own, right? Everything is his. He created everything. So everything belongs to him. He came to his own. He came to what he created. He came to mankind. And then verse 11 says... He came to his own, again, and his own people. People is not actually in the text. It's implied in the text, if you will. And so we could look at this as he came into the world, and we could be looking at Gentiles, and then here he came to his own people. We could be looking at Jews. But the point is not that so much as it is the rejection if it's Jews and Gentiles, by both Jews and Gentiles. The rejection of the light. The putting off of the Savior. And so what we see is we see that He is rejected. That's what we do. It says here, He was in the world, the world was made. He's creator, yet the world did not Know him. They were ignorant of him in a sense. Came to his own and they would not believe. Unbelief. Ignorance and unbelief. Neither one of which will pardon you from believing and receiving Jesus Christ. He said there was a rejection. Jesus gives light to everyone, if you will, but everyone does not come to his light. They reject it and replace it. I mean, we as the children of God, we, we're alive to seek God. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has put eternity into our hearts. We long for this without knowledge. We long for something and we don't know what it is. He's put a longing in us. We long for God and we do not come to Him and we do not acknowledge Him. So we replace Him with things like Atari 2600. Or possessions. Or people. 
thinking that it's in these things that we will find our satisfaction. But we do not. We don't find it there. Everyone is responsible to receive the gospel. Everyone is responsible to receive the light. Everyone is responsible to trust in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 2 verse 12 tells us uh, that the work of the law is written on the hearts of everyone. The Gentiles didn't have the law, but what we find is that when they do it, we find uh, when they do the law, we find that the law is actually written on their hearts. It's something that we have in us. Jesus, the light, the true light, is the measure or standard by which all will be judged. Left to ourselves, we will be found guilty and sentenced to death and hell. But it doesn't have to be that way. It says in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Let me stop here. Knowing that Jesus is the true light is so important today. I mean, I just pointed out to y'all, there are people on this earth today who claim to be Christ. There are many who have different ways of thinking about Jesus that condescend Him into not being God. There are Gospels out there today that do not recognize the divine nature of Jesus Christ. They do not recognize the, uh, the terrible nature of sin as it is contrasted to the holiness of God. Instead, we have Gospels that put the center on the happiness and joy of man. When the gospel is about the glory of God. We see here that he's, he tells us, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's being a member of the family of God. If I'm going to be in the family of God, and I am, I have to be adopted into it, don't I? And so one thing that we notice here is that he's pointing out something. He says, uh, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, who believed in who he is. His name are the credentials of him. Uh, his name is all that he is, that he is God, that he is man, that he's fully, truly God. Man. So we have to 
come to know Him, if we don't know the true light, we will be misled to a false light that cannot redeem. And here he says how that true light redeems, saves. First of all, I want us to see that he points out how it is that we are adopted into the family. How it is that we Come, become children of God. First of all, those who receive Him. What does it mean to receive Christ? Uh, I, I want us to see that receiving views Christ as He is presented to us. We receive Him as He says that He will be to us. What is it that He is? He is, isn't He certainly Savior? And he's certainly Lord. Isn't he redeemer? Uh, isn't he provider? Isn't he sustainer? Isn't he king? He is our authority. He is the one who redeems us and saves us. When we receive Christ, we receive him as all the things that he says he is to us. And so I humble myself and submit myself. To Him as He has given Himself to us. So often what we want is a coexistent pal. You know, come on Jesus, you know, you're my buddy. No. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Savior in redeeming and propitiation for all who believe in, in Him and repent. He's not merely a buddy. We receive him for who he is. We can't create him in the image that we want him to be in. It says here that, uh, but whoever did receive him. See, the other people, they did not receive him. Why? One, because they did not believe. And two, because they did not know. But secondly, he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, believing sees Christ uh, as he is presented in the gospel, in the testimony of God. Uh, we see him for who he is and we believe the truth about him. He is indeed the true light. He is the word and he was with God and he was God. We believe these things concerning him and we believe he takes away sin. We believe all these things and we receive him as our Savior and our Master and our King and our Lord. How do we get this? We, we receive and we believe, but I want you to notice something. It says that he gave the right to become children of God. He gave this 
gift, the right, it's a legal term, if you will. He gave the authority, the power to become children of God. He did something to become children of God. He gave a gift. Now, there's something about this gift, uh, and all gifts. By the way, let me tell you how not to get a gift, okay? You want, you want that lesson? Hey, kiddos, you want to listen to how not to get a gift? Here's how you don't get a gift. Give me a gift. I deserve it. That's how you don't get a gift. No, I'm not giving you anything, Okay? We don't come to believe and receive on our own. Instead, it tells us this. He gave the right to become children of God. Who were born? They were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of, God, uh, will of man, but of God. They were born. They were made alive. That word, born, to make alive. You know, the Bible tells me about me, and it tells me about you, all right? That you are dead in your trespasses and sins, and you walked in those things. And then the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 that God made us alive. It says here that uh, we became children of God who were born. Do you know something about uh, a child who is adopted? They first have to be born before they are adopted. They have to be born. They have to exist in the sense that a parent says, I love you and I want you to be mine. When they're grown up, I heard this yesterday, you know, you can adopt kids that are like 22 years old. Kind of like, I don't want to do that, you know. But at the same time, adult, if someone's old, they have to say, yeah, I'll, I'll be adopted by you. But what we see here is we see that God is at work. He uh, gives them birth. He makes them alive. And then the light goes out. The gospel goes out. And they hear the gospel of Christ. And I'm going to tell you, when I was dead and I heard the gospel of Christ, I was, okay, what a, okay, you know. But when I was made alive and I heard the gospel of Christ, my heart broke for sin. And my longing became for righteousness. You see, when I was dead, I couldn't respond like that. But when God made me alive, I could. The same is for you. And God here, He gave birth, if you will. Uh, they were born of the will of God. And what did Jesus do? Oh, in His uh, dying on the cross, uh, all who did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave the right. Oh, there's a legal transaction there. He gave the right that they would become children of God. How did they say, okay, they received who he was, and they believed who he was. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. They were born, and then he gave them the right 
to be called children of God. Why? They were awakened to belief. They could hear what they couldn't hear before. They could see what they couldn't see before. They were made alive in God. The true light, He has come into the world. He came into the world and He has made known the way of life. He has made known the way to salvation. He came to deliver a message. He came to bring the children of God into their home, into the presence of the Father. I say all these things because I hear people on a regular basis say, well, you know, I I was saved when I was five. Okay, I can take that. That's fine. But let me ask you something. How has he continued to save you? And continue to change you? How have you continued to walk in belief? How have you continued to walk in repentance? Because I want you to know. Belief isn't one of those things that you do one time. And you never do again. Belief is something that you do and you keep doing. You don't believe in Jesus and then don't believe in Jesus. And you're still okay. No, you believe and you keep believing. You don't repent of sin and never have to repent again. I don't know about y'all, but after I became saved, I was shocked to discover something. I still sin. And what does Christ call us to do when we do that? To repent. So we believe and we repent. We keep believing and repenting, don't we? Why? Because we've been born of God. And Christ has made us a child of God. And the child of God, what does the child of God do? He imitates His parents. He does what they do. As children of God. Jesus Christ came into the world. Born as a babe. Crucified as a criminal. But delivered sinners. Into the hands of the Father. Don't believe the gospels out there. That discredit Jesus. And exalt man. Instead. Believe the true light. The gospel. That exalts Jesus Christ. And shows us to be who we are sinners. If you haven't trusted in the true light, Jesus Christ, I pray you would do so today by believing on Him and receiving Him as Lord, as Savior, Redeemer of your life. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for the great love that you've shown us in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have died, sent Jesus to die for the ungodly. Father, I thank you, Lord, that in coming into the world, Father, he has brought great light through the message of the gospel. 
through his own blood. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to make that message known, but also, Lord, that we would submit ourselves to living out what it means to be a child of God, to be imitators of God, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to seek to be pure. And Father, that we would teach our children the same. Lord, I pray, Lord, that today, as we've put forward the gospel, Lord, and as you've made known the word of life, I pray that some, Lord, today who have not believed in you would do so today. And, Lord, that you would take the seed of the gospel and it would begin to grow in the soil of hearts. And, God, you would transform the lives of people that their love for you would be enduring. We love you in Jesus' name.